0: Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn
1: community to help you get through those tricky conversations.
2: Making work make
1: sense? LinkedIn knows how.
2: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans.
4: Saturday night's all right for fighting. The right
1: hand, push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with
5: Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk
3: Sport. Deadly.
5: Uh, welcome to the Fight Night Podcast. If this is the first time you've ever come across us, then you can subscribe via iTunes. Please do so. Then you'll never miss out on any of Sports boxing and UFC coverage. You can also get it on the TalkSport website uh, if you need an Android feed, so get yourself on there. Get yourself on and come and be a part of this weekly conversation. Now, we have got lots to talk about. Boxing's back in the UK. Fantastic show on Friday night. Uh, from Frank Warren and the guys at BT Sport. We've also got to talk about UFC and Fight Island. You'll hear from Jorge Masvidal and Molly McCann on this show a little bit later too. Bob Arum's going to come and have a chat, but we're going to start by talking to Eddie Hearn. Gareth A. Davis caught up with him this week to talk about all aspects of the world of boxing and they started the conversation on Fight Camp. Has
3: this been the toughest... 14 weeks, if you like, of your professional career so far? Um, I think tough's a,
1: a, 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 the wrong word because we're very fortunate um, to have built a business over the years that you know, when you create a successful business, that includes you know cash reserves, that includes um, sort of brand notoriety and the ability to weather storms like this. And that's one of the reasons that you do that you know, to be able to to weather these storms. So we've had family time, you know, we've had so many beautiful things that we've never really experienced in the last 10 years. So I kind of look at myself as, being, as feeling lucky in that respect. And now when you go back to work, you realise that the world has changed, things have changed, and the challenges that present themselves now are very different to anything we've ever seen before. You know, the challenges of selling out Um, Wembley Stadium, or Madison Square Garden, or uh, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. You know, the, the challenges that commercially we always accept and are excited for here, the logistical challenge is something that we've never experienced before, and we will never experience again. And I think a lot of it, the reason that I wanted to come back with Fight Camp, you know, outdoors at the headquarters is, I feel like as a TV product, sport behind closed doors really lacks the energy and the drama and the intensity that you would get, like you said, at a pack Lords or a pack Wembley stadium or O2. And I wanted to come back with a product that still kept boxing at the forefront of people's mind and perception in terms of the live sporting arena. And I feel like when they turn the screens on and see Fight cam, they're going to think this is mega. You know, this is, this is proper. And we have to focus on the things as a TV product that are intriguing about the sport. The sound of the punches landing you know, to the ribcage or to the side of the head. And maybe a fighter oh. groaning when he gets one in the guts or the fighters
3: talking to themselves during the round. Or else of them. breath even we've seen. We've heard them yeah, breathing at times. The UFC there have been yeah.
1: a great example of that, you know, the the UFC fighter going back to the corner saying that his teeth have fallen out, you know, and, and that interaction between the corner team and the fighter, something that the hardcore fans have always loved and maybe the broadcasters have never really focused on.
3: One of the very best ones in the first UFC back was the heavyweight taking the advice of Daniel Cormier, the commentator, and yeah. telling and them afterwards that it won him the fight because he heard the commentator's advice. Yeah, well, you'll hear all that as well. You know, it's
6: yeah.
3: going to be unique
1: and intriguing initially. And then we need to revert back to type and the success of what makes sport great, you know. But I think, you know, with everything that we're working around the build up to fight camp, there's there's enough hype and enough intrigue that we've built up over the last couple of months. People say, Where is it? What's it going to look like? Oh, the fights are great. Five fights a night, you know, different. People will be tuned in and people will be engaged, and that's the key. While we weather this storm, the bigger concern for the sport is how do you, you know, we're going to be the first promoters really to stage a big fight in Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin, Katie Taylor, Delphine Persoon as well in that double header. And no one's really come back with, with events like that yet. So that's a big challenge for us because we know we don't have the revenue of the gate in the short term. The bigger challenge to the sport is as we move forward and we look at fighters like Canelo Alvarez, like Usyk Jezora, like Anthony Joshua, like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and say, how do we pay fighters the money they were making without the revenue of a game and a crowd? And it's very, very difficult. You know, it's going to change the finances of the sport. It's going to change everything pending
3: how long we're in this situation. It's not just the revenue of the gate. It's that whole build, isn't it, where mass media comes together and the two fa- fighters are face-to-face and because at the moment you know the prospect of a scrap on stage could, could totally ruin an event it would yeah. in the past but you know all those all those set pieces that add to the drama of a build-up are not possible at the moment so um Delphi and per- Persoon it's a great sign a fight to sign because there were lots of doubts about the fight on 1st of June last year. I mean, look, we'd made the Amanda Serrano fight.
1: She opted not to take the fight, um, which there was a lot of, you know,
3: back and forth over. You've explained that, that she was, she'd signed and then she signed up for another reality TV yes. show. We were quite angry about it. Blame, her and
1: Ludavella blamed me for coronavirus, basically. and said, you know, you changed the date. I said, well, obviously, you know, there's a force majeure within the contract, which means that we have the right to change the date. And the rescheduled date was what you were told, and you didn't want to do it because you'd signed up to reality TV show. So, but isn't the fight with a, a, um, a Passoon
3: more compelling to oh, get people doubt. to come yeah, to that fight now? Yeah.
1: It's a great fight. Seven division world champion. Yep. Let's be honest, you know, there are a lot of people saying, I felt, you know, Delphine Passoon nicked the fight at Madison Square Garden. And I think Katie's the kind of individual that until she puts that to bed, it'll always sit in her mind. And, you know, you can't write a tweet about Katie Taylor without someone commenting, yeah, well, when's she going to rematch Delphine Pursume? And when the, when the Amanda Serrano fight fell through, she said to me, well, do you think Delphine Pursume will take it? You know. And I think the team were a bit like, you know, let's, let's have it right. The last fight was a thriller. It was a war, complete toe-to-toe war. And I think probably Katie's team sort of thought, you know, we've got eight weeks, you know, we were training for a southpaw, yeah. but Katie was adamant and sort of said, you know, this is, this is what I think we need to do. We need to come back with big fights at the moment. I am approaching a stage in my career where I want career-defining fights all the time. And when you look out there for Katie, you know, the fights for our are Delphine Pursuit, Amanda Serrano, which is that, that fight for me now can just disappear forever. Cecilia Breakhouse, you know, the, the catchweight fight between two undisputed champions.
3: At light like welterweight, presumably, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or 140, 142 pounds. Yeah. Um, and then the crossover fights. Cyborg, Holly Hunt, you know, these kind of fights, which is something completely different. So she's all about legacy, you know. I mean, you know, Gareth, I love Katie Taylor. I just, she's... She's everything you'd want from, from a client, from a fighter, you know, in terms of honesty, integrity, and, and the, the will to win. And she deserves a lot of credit for, for stepping up in this fight.
3: Um, because the other thing about the the, the Persoon uh, Taylor fight at Madison Square Garden um was, was that it went, it kind of went under the radar because what happened to Anthony Joshua later yeah. in the night, in a way. <laughs> so it wasn't really talked about that much. It was controversial at the time. Um Have you got a potential replacement if Alexander Povetkin has problems travelling or tests COVID positive? Have you got... I know we're a long way away. We're we're, we're six weeks away from that at the moment, aren't we? So, um, are you having to look at replacements all the time for these big
1: fights? I haven't yet. You know, I think that the problem is... Chizora? No, I think, you know, he's he's focused on the Usyk fight. But I think when you talk about a pay-per-view event, You know, you are running the risk that if you can't, if if for some reason Povetkin falls out, Mm. probably the box office falls out as well, you know, and it's a huge risk. Um, There are all kinds of um, things we're putting in place from testing him, Povetkin in camp for COVID-19 to when he arrives, you know, he may have to isolate for 14 days. We believe there'll also be exceptions and exemptions for athletes, but he's, he's fully on board with that. And, you know, if he does come for 14 days, test him when he arrives, test him on fight week. And, you know, I'm hoping, Gareth, that as the weeks go on, you know, we just did a, a darts event, we started back with, with our sort of live darts events, and we tested 270 people. And they were all negative, right? And with fingers crossed. So I'm hoping that, it's going to be interesting to see the first weeks of fight camp. You know, we've got five fighters, so 10 fighters a night, plus their corner teams. And can we make sure we get all the negative tests on there? So we're hoping by the time Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin come around in six weeks' time that the virus is slowly and it actually becomes quite rare to find
3: someone that's testing positive rather than, you know, wider scale. Dillian gave some brilliant interviews last week, by the way, from Portugal, I thought, where he, I've, there's more clarity from him than I think we've ever seen. Um, he's developed his patience. When he fights uh, uh, Sasha Povetkin, it'll be a thousand days. He's been waiting to fight for the WBC title, I think it is. Um, he made the point that He's almost wanted to divorce you at times because he doesn't know if you're defending Joshua's situation or his. And it was very well put. I don't know if you watched the interview with him, but it was very well put. It was organised by your team. Um, And he also said, look at me. I'm prepared to fight behind closed doors. I'll have two if I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, You've also come out... Two things about that. You've come out and said, I want him to get his WBC shot if he beats Sesha Povetkin. But also, he made the point that... um, Maybe the very big names need to start thinking about how they fight behind closed doors if it doesn't change.
1: Well, I think Dillian White is a pure fighter. And I think the fans love him for that. You know, it's definitely going to be challenging. When we talk about challenging from a a promoter's point of view, it's also going to be challenging from a fighter's point of view as well, fighting behind closed doors. I asked Tony Belly about this and he said, Ed, those big boys, once the punches start raining down, mate, you'll soon switch off. You know, it's not going to be, you're not going to get yourself up for it. But when we talk about Dillian White's situation, you know, I'm in a situation where the whole world wants to see AJ against Tyson Fury, right? It's the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. But on the other hand, people also want to see Dillian White get what what he deserves. And I've made it very clear that I believe that Dillian White's shot should come before Anthony Joshua's undisputed fight. And, you know, so
3: either against Deontay or against Tyson that fight. or if Deontay doesn't make it in
1: the ring against Tyson Fury straight away.
3: Oh now, you, so he he
1: supersedes oh, um, go. Look, Fury that, and Joshua if that we mandatory, side. That mandatory has to happen by the end of February, Dillian White if he can beat. Well, in spite of being us being out for four months. It's because that fight it hasn't really changed anything. You know, would there be a delay after? But AJ is gonna fight in November. So he's not going to fight again till next summer. And we have our doubts whether Deontay Wilder will even step into the ring and take the fight with Tyson Fury. We haven't heard a great deal from him. But, you know, there's a lot of people who try to, you know, say, oh, Eddie Hearn, you know, he's not sticking up for Dillian White. Let me tell you, when Dillian White had his issue with UCAD and I knew he was innocent and no one believed him, right? I was that one who had to come out under confidentiality, and face all the media, and back him.
3: While he wasn't him. talking.
1: <laughs> oh, but he, yeah, because he couldn't. Yeah, right? he couldn't, And, yeah. and put myself mm. and my name on the line, and back him, because I believed in him. And when he was found innocent, no one really turned around and went, oh, you know, oh, you were right, Eddie. You know, fair play, all right. So we backed him to the hills. And not just in that situation, in the WBC situation. He's been on numerous conference calls, numerous correspondence, legal correspondence The WBC. We've all been doing our thing. It's been extremely frustrating. But there hasn't been anything that I've done with AJ that has changed that WBC situation. Where he's been punished from the WBC is Fury against Wilder has been made in a two fight deal. And it was a big fight. And that governing body, Quite frankly, wanted to do that fight, and when they want to do a fight, they generally let it happen. But now we've got to a stage where they delayed him for one year due to that UCAT situation, and he was found completely innocent. But they still delayed him, and that's when we talk about: won't we delay a couple more months because of no? Mm. You know. So from my point of view, I don't want to take the eye off. Povetkin too much. You know, we saw Anthony Joshua take the IRF Ruiz when everyone was talking about the Wilder fight. So focus on Povetkin getting beat and we will do everything we can to ensure
3: that he gets what he deserves and that is a shot at the world title. Absolutely. No, I can't wait for that. Really, really excited about it. But I'm also excited about uh... Fury Wilder three uh, Fury and, and White White and Wilder Joshua and, and White Joshua and, I mean there's so many great fights in the heavyweight. Division. You know,
1: I throw I throw in that you know are there heavyweights of Alexander Usyk you know totally. of course, Derek Chisora um, Hergovich Joseph Parker yeah. you know Skasiev uh, I
3: think we manage about nine out of
1: ten of I those Coley totally, you know I mean there's, there's some fantastic heavyweight and I always forget some of them. But it's like, not literally, just when I'm, when I'm reciting them. So, but it, it's such a great time for the division and the sport. And I, I think the good thing about what we've been through over the last couple of months is a real realisation that we've got to get our act together mm. and give people what they want. You know, and when you're under pressure in terms of providing value to fighters and, and broadcasters, it's a lot easier. I think, I think you, know, you understand, Garrett, a lot of the time, I wanna, you know, I wanna make the biggest fights, but you deal with a manager or an agent or a lawyer or a trainer. You know, and a lot of the time these guys want as much money as possible for the easiest fight possible. Right? And and to be honest with you, I've been letting them get away with it for too long. And now I have an excuse. You know, sorry, mate. I mean everyone's using this as an excuse in business, aren't they? The amount of people I've spoken to on the phone, Eddie, I'm really sorry phew, it's corona. So I'm going
3: to use that excuse as well, Gareth. Look, you know, a couple of things to clear up. You say Joshua in November, is that still in the UK or are you going to take it abroad? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hopeful,
1: you know, my dad's been working hard with the government in terms of trying to come up with solutions to bringing Gates back. You know, we hope that the World Snooker Championship at the Crucible, which seems like a very sensible idea and, and solution to do an almost a test, in that kind of environment. That's in August, isn't it? The yeah, final. End, of July, end of July through to sort of middle of August. Yeah. We'll have three or four hundred in attendance. And then we move to the next phase. Is it a percentage of capacity? Is it a, a maximum amount of people? And I'm very confident that by the time that November comes around, we can start returning to arenas, you know, even potentially with a full capacity, for a Joshua Pule fight. You know, I think the idea of a stadium is unlikely this side of the year. But at the moment, we are full steam ahead for AJ against Pulev in November back in an arena in the UK.
3: So if that fight can take place in an arena in the UK, just finally on this, on the very big fight, on the biggest fight in British boxing history then, let's say Fury Joshua does happen next year, or even um, White and Fury be huge as well. Does that go to the Middle East in your view?
1: I think that... There's two fights. You know, if we're talking about White, sorry, Fury and AJ, that would be a two fight deal. I think it'd be extremely disappointing if we didn't see at least one of those in the UK. Good. The problem is, Gareth, when we go back to that same conversation of managers and lawyers and advisors and trainers. Let me put it like this. To you. And, and 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 you know, these these figures are plucked out of the sky, but the the disparity in the not If you go to a fighter and you say, "I will give you 50 million pounds." to fight in London, which, to be honest with you, you should do. We're two Brits, you know. Or I'll give you 100 million to fight in Saudi Arabia. You can't just expect people on Twitter to go, well, they've got enough money anyway. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. I'm not saying it's out of greed, but these guys are putting their life on the line for the biggest moment in their career that they've ever worked towards. But the
3: oldest saying in boxing, Eddie, it's a sport, but it's more than that, it's a business. And that's what you're talking about. It's about a the business there. And so, I, I,
1: yes, I hate saying that.
3: But it's true. I, but I love this sport. And it, for me,
1: despite what people might think, it's not about just about the money. Mm. It's about the love for the sport. And for me, the greatest sport of all. But we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't maximize the earnings of these warriors that are going in. Let's, let's, just, let's just strip this back and have it right. We sit there, right, might have a pint on the go, might be watching a bit of TV with a slice of pizza, watching two individuals go into a ring and have a fight. And we're not talking about two, just two any, any ordinary individuals. We're talking about two six foot nine, six foot eight, 18 stone heavyweight world champions going into the ring in a fight where they could walk out of those ropes, not the same person again. And in some instances, maybe not even walk out of those ropes again. We can't be naive enough just to go, oh, come on, mate. You know, and I'm not saying that fight fans are irrelevant. I'm a Brit, Fury's a Brit, AJ's a Brit. We'd all love this fight to take place in the UK, trust me. But we can't ignore the opportunities that are out there For these guys and and i wouldn't be doing my job you know i don't think i would get a client if i started turning around to people saying sorry mate you've got to take half the money because everyone wants it here i'm going to get told to get out of town Mm -hmm. you know so hand on heart britain i'd love to stage fury against joshua And, and listen i'm not ruling it out but what i'm telling you is there is a huge amount of interest for the biggest fight in the world, undisputed Heavyweight World Championship. And I'm really sorry, but I do have to do my job and explore those opportunities.
5: Eddie Hearn is planning big things. Another lad that's planning big things. After a couple of disappointments recently because he's had fights made, he was on the cusp of that big world title fight and then the pandemic kicked in. Fingers crossed he gets it at some point by the back end of the year. Got some news on that a little later on in the show with Bob Arum. I'm referring to Carl Frampton. The Jackal joined me and Gareth on the show on Saturday night for a (laughs) chinwake.
1: Frampton looking to pick his punches. He hurt Avalos significantly. Avalos now just throwing arm punches. The fight has been punched out of him. He looks ready to go. Show it for as he waves
5: Frampton in. Frampton obliges him. And Stelz stops the challenger
4: in round number five. Oh, it's another one right hand this time. And he's hurt. It's all in. It's all over the coach. The fight's over. His corner have called him out. Carl Frampton gets the stoppage.
3: A tremendous performance here. the uh,
5: champion, This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Castro. We've got uh, a little bit of UFC coming up very, very shortly with Fight Island um, happening in the not-too-distant future. We're all excited about that. Um, and the guests keep on rolling on the show. Carl Frampton's coming to join us right now. Carl, how are you, sir? I'm
6: doing good, man. How are you?
5: Very well indeed. Um, have you managed to uh, sort out the lockdown haircut yet? Have you managed to get that done?
6: Yeah, got it from the other day. Nice. And I've, nice. I've went with a... Not, not as short as the normal
3: keeping it a little bit longer.
5: Yeah, well, I'm follically challenged. <laughs> Gareth's been in the barbers this week getting the highlights done, haven't you, mate? You've been had getting them all two done. Inch-
3: I, Adam, I'd yeah? have two inches off. I really... did look like a hippie i mean chance chance would be a fine thing uh, mate
5: i'd love that i'd love to be able to do that that'd be wonderful um and uh, i I saw a couple of interviews that you've done uh, recently carl and i liked it i like the uh i like the microphone look it was nice mate (laughs) listen man people want to know dates they want to know when the jackal is back uh, in the ring and i know that it's been a frustrating time for you because we were led to believe that it was going to be june obviously with jamel herring and um we know that jamel um, with that, with everything that's going on in this crazy world, he tested positive for COVID. His fight, his, re, his, his comeback fight, I think was on July the 4th, which has got knocked back to this Tuesday coming. I'll ask you about that in a moment. But where are you at? Because you need to be out there doing your thing as well. Have you got a date as of yet? Well,
6: there's a couple of dates floating about, which I have to keep private at the moment, but it's looking like... It's looking like early to mid August.
5: Okay, so or, August fifteenth, like, August fifteenth, then right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you because know, it's all over the internet anyway. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what what level of opponent then would we be able to look at for that mid August comeback?
6: Well, I think the top guys, anyway. Certainly, they it's a fight, and and what I what I don't want to say, what I I don't want to take this fight as a takeover fight. That's what I. Can't afford to do because mm-hmm. it's hard to get up for kick-over fight. So I have to look at it, although you don't know who the opponent is. I have to look at it as if it's someone who's coming to, coming to do the business and coming to beat me. So and I have to win to get the Gmail hiring fight.
3: Yeah, it's, it's hard enough though, Carl, being in lockdown for you guys at the moment. We've mentioned on the show already 118 days since there was the last fight event, boxing event in the UK. Um, and if We are, if it is true, what we're led to believe, that it could be August the 15th in Belfast. It's all over the internet. But (laughs) how difficult is it in the situation you're in where you're a very seasoned pro, you you know, we know you're only going to fight three or four more times potentially, and you're kind of in camp, but you're not really, and you don't really know if it's going to go ahead or you don't know if there's going to be a crowd. And, uh, you know, youngsters want to get out there and fight. But yourself, who's been an incredibly decorated champion, the balance must be so difficult mentally at the moment.
6: Well, yeah, it is is a bit different for me than than the young guys who who need to fight constantly to improve. And I'm not really going to improve any further at this stage. I I will learn different things and, and use different tactics and employ different tactics depending on the opponent. But it was important for me to have some sort of fight before the Jamel Harim World title fight. Um couple of reasons, because he's having one.
5: Yep.
6: Um, and it's keeping him fresh and sharp. And if I don't if I didn't have a fight, it would have been it would have been kind of a year out of the ring or almost mm-hmm. a year anyway. Um so I, I no one can really afford to do that, have a year out of the ring. It's not ideal for anyone. So I'm just I'm just getting on with it. And um Hopefully, get this fight out of the road, and then the big one comes off. It
5: will you be tuning in Tuesday night because he's back against Equendo, uh, isn't
6: he? Yeah, Jonathan Aquendo. It's not a bad fight. Um, I think the the opponents that they're talking about for me is similar level of opposition than, mm-hmm. than Aquendo is. He was he was once a, a decent fighter, uh, but I think Jamel Harim wins that fight. I think he should win it comfortably, um, but. All things considered, and it's not, it's not a bad fight, and, I, and I'll be watching it.
5: I was, I was reading up as well the other day. You've been, I, I mean, time's flown. You've been actually with Jamie and the guys there for three years now.
6: Yeah, I'll be approaching three years, and you're right, it has it has flew in. We were just talking about it the other day, and it um, doesn't seem like a 3 years it's, it's been a fast ride. It's like it's just come in on top of us, really, but it's been the best three years of my of my professional career.
5: Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you that because I remember speaking to you before you went there, and and there was chat. Listen, you still had ambitions and goals and all those types of things, but there was a bit of a, a tone in your voice that maybe you were thinking, okay, it's coming, to, it's coming to an end, and it seemed to have, uh, have breathed a little bit of new wind into your sails, if, that, if that's the fair way of uh, approaching it.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I don't know. I w- sort of four years ago, I was trying to down a day till I, I could retire from, from boxing. I always had this mythical age in my head of 32 I would like to retire at, and I've, I've passed that already. Um, I'll be 34 in, in February. Um, but I, I'm i enjoying this. and I know yeah. it's important to get out at the, at the right time, but I've got two people around me who have my interests at heart, and I feel like I'm still a world-class fighter, and I feel like I can still win a world title, so while I've got that belief and, and that ability still, uh,
3: I'll continue to do it. Has, has lockdown kind of galvanised that hunger even more, Cole? Yeah, I, I suppose it has. Look, it's always been there. Um,
6: I, I don't know. It's, I suppose the answer to that question is probably not, actually, being honest, because I've had the hunger, so it hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't decreased, or or got got hungrier. I, I'm uh, I'm the same guy who believes I can win a, a world title in a third division. So hmm.
3: that's that's what I intend to do, and I, I'll do everything I can to to try and try and achieve that. Okay. But then- but the thing, but what, what the point I'm trying to make is that you know everybody at the moment who's locked down is kind of trying to get their life. If, if they're surviving and thriving, they're trying to get their ducks in a row in lots of different ways. Um, you know, enjoying family more thinking about what they want to do. But the truth is, sport is still up in the air. All that we've got at the moment is boxing behind closed doors. And as you just said, you're a big stadium fighter. You're a big arena fighter. I mean, those nights that we enjoyed with you on the East Coast against brilliant Mexican fighters, the nights in Vegas, Carl, the, the, the Ring Magazine champion of the year, um, Paul Frampton fighting behind closed doors? Yeah, it's not it's not ideal, is it? But it is
6: what it is, and I I just have to get on with it. And I, I'm hoping that after this fight, uh, this is the only time I I will be fighting behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And then the Jamel Harim fight, I'm hoping like no one really knows, but I'm hoping that the stadiums are open and we can we can fill and pack stadiums out,
3: and um, it gets that fight gets the atmosphere it deserves. And where As, will where will the herring fight? Sorry, Ed, Where will the herring fight be? Um, it was supposed to be in Belfast in June, but obviously yeah. that's been ruled
6: out, and we've, we've passed June now. But I'm I'm guessing probably going to be in the States, which I don't Agreed. mind. Hmm. Um, winning a world title. And Madison Square Gardens would would be a nice one, wouldn't it? Um,
3: <laughs> We'd all love that, Carl. We'd all love would, that. Yeah,
6: so. I would love it. And he, he's from New York. I obviously could, you know, sell a few tickets, could bring a few fans across. Yeah. And a lot of Irish-American fans on the East Coast as well. So it, that that
5: makes sense. And and where would you judge a victory against Jamel Herring in, in the echelons of your career? Because you've had some good ones down the years. Would this be I've, the best one? I've, I've had some big wins, but... I think it probably would be because I don't think there's many people
3: that think that I can win a world title in a third division apart from me and the team. So, oh, um, I, but I can't, Carl. But honestly, your victory over Leo Santa Cruz will go down in the annals as one of the brilliant, brilliant performances. I mean, yeah. it was so brilliant.
7: Yeah, you and know, again,
3: it, that was another one that I wasn't expected to
6: win, and, and, and a lot of lot of press and American press in particular just kind of thought that. Santa Cruz is going to blow me away mm. but um, this one this one will be right up there I, I win a, a title in the third division the only Irish man yeah. ever to do so yeah. one of the only Brits um, it, that would be huge for me But that, that's in the kind of the end of the Hall of Fame so yeah. that would be a, a huge win for me
5: There you go. Carl Frampton's got big ambitions, wanting to become that three-weight world champion. Next in line for him is Jamel Herring. Now, when that happens, we don't know. So we thought we'd get on his promoter, Bob Arum, to have a conversation about it. However, we first of all started that conversation with Bob, talking about him bringing boxing back to the States with Top Mm Rank. What are your big takeaways and big learns over the last month as top ranks got back up and running over in the States?
4: Well, we learned and going into this, we decided we would only do what we could following the medical advice, following the public health officials, the uh, infectious disease specialists, we work with them. We work with those uh, representing uh, the Nevada, uh, the state of Nevada, and the Nevada Athletic Commission. And everything we did uh, has been in accordance with that medical advice so we could keep uh, these events as safe as humanly possible.
5: Of which you have done, of course, and when you are testing athletes and people connected to those athletes, you're going to come up with positive tests. Of which you have done, and then the right protocols have been taken place. Um, obviously, since those uh, since those positive tests, um, what's the what's the current news coming your way from those health officials at the moment, from the likes of Nevada and Texas and Florida? Because you can read so many different reports of how the numbers of coronavirus are being affecting. Uh, people in the States, and I'm looking at Nevada, Texas, and Florida in particular, and it looks like those numbers are going not in a negative way, but more in a positive way. So plans for maybe getting fans into arenas, is that on hold at the moment, Bob?
4: Yes, I I believe it is. Um, uh, Texas and Florida open way too soon without uh, the the safeguards that the uh, public health officials were calling for, Mm -hmm. and they're now reaping uh, the uh, disaster that they created. In in Nevada, uh, we had great public health officials. We hired our own. We've worked together, and thank God so far uh, the events in the bubble have gone on. uh, And uh, with all uh, safeguards, Everybody is saying that when these fights occur uh in the room and the convention area set aside for them is the safest place to be yeah. because everybody has been tested multiple times
3: mm-hmm. evening bob um it is the are the hotels quite full now in terms of people coming back to them and um do you have concerns? About, I mean, you mentioned the other states there. Do you have concerns that the spiking of coronavirus, because it's very virulent still in America, could actually curtail things for you at some point?
4: Well, I think in Nevada, where we have all these big hotels, they haven't been jammed with people, and the governor has, and the regulators have put in, uh, uh, controls, uh, that keep down the amount of con- uh, coronavirus. Of course, with once you open facilities, you're going to get spikes. But I think in Nevada, I'm optimistic it can be controlled less so in Texas, uh, and in Florida and Arizona where these governors followed, uh, the the demonic and idiotic president of the United States and opened everything too soon. And there, it's out of control. They're no longer any... uh, They've exceeded the capacity uh, for ICU beds. Uh, It's a disaster. But in Nevada, uh, the governor has acted uh, to... He had to open up the casinos because that's the lifeblood of Nevada, but he's done it in as safe a manner as possible.
3: In in the last few days, Bob, you've you've mentioned a fight that we all want to see. Um, probably the best fighter in the world right now, Vasily Lomachenko, pound for pound, and, and this brilliant matchup with Teofimo Lopez. Mm. Um, you've mentioned a September the 19th date, and you've also mentioned a, a December the 19th date for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder's trilogy fight. Um, I, Disregarding whether we have crowds or not, because we can't answer that, are you confident that you can go ahead with both of those fights on those dates?
4: Well, the uh, Lomachenko Lopez fight, we've now moved to October 3rd. And the reason for that is we believe that starting with the end of September, that in Nevada, we can uh we can uh do the fight uh with limited spectators we we're optimistic again this thing changes we're optimistic mm. that we will be up and running sort of in uh Nevada uh in um uh late September yeah in October in October yeah. no not are basically. you talking I'm the raiders stadium
3: October. here though bob are you talking raiders stadium right. with 60,000 000- capacity that you could reduce? We're we're
4: talking about that for December 19th uh, for the Fury Wilder fight. And the reason for that is we've uh, we've researched the date. It works. The Raiders have a home football game on Thursday night, September 17th, Mm. and that will give us enough time to put up the ring and Mm. and to convert Uh, to a boxing match and whether it's 15,000 spectators or 20 or 25,000 remains to be seen but we are optimistic that we will be able to do that do that fight for a limited audience Mm.
5: um bob uh Yesterday evening, we obviously saw uh, Carlos Takam taking on Jerry Forrest, um, but the original fight was supposed to be Jarrell Miller in that, and we uh, obviously now know as to why he wasn't participating in it. When uh, When you originally heard the news that he'd failed another performance-enhancing drug test, what was your reaction?
4: How stupid can you be? That was my <laughs> reaction. I mean, when we signed the guy after he had tested positive, uh, before the uh, fight with Anthony Joshua, uh, he told me it was it was his people that did it. He would be very careful. He would have a special nutritionist, on and on and on. And boom, the same thing happened, and he tested dirty. But I think, again, that's a credit to boxing, because once we scheduled him to fight uh in the bubble, which would have been on th- last Thursday, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, the Nevada Commission immediately had Vada test them. And and they the first test uncovered uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Wow. So, again, you can't – it's very, very hard to deal with stupidity, whether it comes from a fighter like Gerald Miller or a president like Donald Trump.
3: Um, Bob, um, one of the things that's been under discussion is, obviously, Jarrell Miller was lucky that he didn't have a license at the time with the New York um Athletic Commission when he was due to fight Anthony Joshua on June the first last year. Um, one of the big talking points has been, you know, obviously he's going to be sanctioned and probably suspended or even have his license taken away for for a a, 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 a kind of a, a serious amount of time. How do we instigate? Because there's no World governing body for boxing. How do we instigate the right kind of punishment for people who have who are multiple offenders, if you like, in this way? It's not a criminal act, but it is a heinous act when a guy when guys are fighting each other because, you know, you were a lawyer. If someone gets killed in a ring and the opponent um, has tested positive for drugs either before, or after, um, and it comes out after, so we're dealing potentially with manslaughter, aren't we?
4: Well, I look at it this way, that if a fighter takes performance-enhancing drugs, getting ready to participate in a fight, that I look at it as attempted murder. Because if he somehow evaded the test, he would go in the ring uh, seriously compromising his opponent, and I believe that would be attempted murder. So what happened in... New York, he didn't have a license. Uh, the fight had been announced. Uh, he was uh, uh, tested dirty, and the fight was off. And when we went to the Nevada Commission to schedule him for a fight, we told the Nevada Commission that, look, if he had been licensed in New York, they would have given him a one-year suspension. So let's do it ourselves, keep him out for the year. And then he says he's going to be clean, uh, license him, which they did, and then he tested dirty again. And now it's up to the Nevada Commission uh, to determine the penalty, and I believe that it'll either be multi-year or life. Will you
5: work with him again, Bob, if if he isn't banned for life?
4: He isn't banned for life. He isn't banned for life, but I believe it'll be a multi-year suspension. Yeah. And if you were asking me, would I uh, continue my contract with him? The answer is not in your life. Uh, Gerald Miller will never fight on a top-ranked card.
5: There you go. Wow. Um, Bob. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Um, can't wait to see you, basically, yeah. basically, Bob. We can't wait to see you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we heard from uh, Carl Frampton a little earlier on, and I know you've got Jamel Herring obviously fighting this week coming. We're looking forward to that on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, that's a fight as well. We would love to see. Is that a fight that needs a needs a crowd really to 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 be made?
4: No. Uh, uh Carl, uh, uh, as I understand it, will be fighting on an MTK card televised in the United States on August 15th, mm-hmm. and uh, Conlon will be on the same card. And uh, Herring, as you said, is fighting next week. Yep. <clears throat> if Herring is successful, Brampton is successful, I would plan to do that card in the fourth quarter of this year, do that fight in the fourth quarter of this year, because uh, Herring has uh, assented to a Frampton fight. Frampton, I promise Frampton I would deliver that fight for him, and I will do it. Now, of course, I'm confronted at this point with the travel ban, uh, but hopefully by the fourth quarter that will be relaxed or eliminated, and I can do that fight uh, either for no spec with no spectators. Or with a limited number of spectators, or as uh, an additional fight on a major pay-per-view card that we might be putting together uh, in the fourth quarter. Cool. Or even on the, or Theory. even on the, uh, on the Fury uh, Furry, Wilder card.
0: hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns Yeah, hi, nice to meet you Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz uh, and the Biparsal Rise plug sale The most important thing is what? Sorry The single most important thing is to Ertz uh, and the Channelised bingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale And you'll be fine Uh yeah, that sounds important Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn
1: community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.
2: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance? United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
5: There you go. Strong stuff from Bob Arum. Friday night saw the return of boxing to British soil. Some standout performances. The main event was, of course, that super bantamweight British and Commonwealth title fight between Brad Foster uh, and Jimmy Beach Jr. Foster, sensational, winning a unanimous decision. However, on the undercard, Hamza Shiraz put in a wonderful performance too, so we thought we'd give him a ring straight after his fight for a chat. Before we talk about the performance, I want to talk about the protocols that you've, you've gone through all this week, yeah. since last yeah. weekend, and obviously what you're currently going through right now, because I believe that you're already back at the hotel, is that right?
7: Yeah, so I'll explain it, I'll break it down to you now. So basically, Tuesday we had to come to the hotel, we had to get tested, we got tested, and as soon as we got tested, we got put into our individual rooms. And then um, literally from Tuesday to Thursday, we were just literally chilling, making weight, made the weight, had the weigh in on Thursday and fought tonight, but um, to be honest with you, it's been actually like, very mentally challenging. I didn't think it would be, because yeah. you're on your own, and you're, you're deep in your own thoughts, and you don't normally have your team with you. But yeah, I got the job done in good fashion, and here we are, we we'll move on. Plus, as well as that, you, you do
5: spend, fighters spend a lot of time on their own, in, in solitude, grafting throughout the course of camp, but when it comes to a fight week, there's always the buzz of the media, the buzz of the fans, there's loads of things to... To, to occupy your time you know that's what you've done all the hard work for the hard work's done up until this week and then you get to turn up the fans adore you the media ask you the questions and even on fight night you walk out to the adoration of 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 the fans that have come to watch you very different tonight Hamza yeah
7: extremely different listen on the ring walk you could you could uh, my corner um uh, just uh um instruction you can literally just hear it and then on the room walk, there was no one there. Normally, I'm used to everyone screaming my name or chanting HFHS. <laughs> but this time, so I just literally, I soaked it. In. I said to myself, listen, you can't dwell on the negative side of things. You just have to get on with it. I've been given an opportunity to shine. And, and I did exactly that tonight, I think, in a good performance. But mm.
3: yeah. Shiraz, um, congratulations. I bet you're still thinking about that peach of a right hand you, you hit uh, poor old Paul Keane with in the middle of that fight. It kind of ended it for him, really, didn't it?
7: Yeah, no, that was the shot. We was work I was working on with my coach Eddie Kelly because we saw we saw, we saw the, the weaknesses in him. But listen, it was a good performance. I don't want to get way ahead of myself. Still a lot more work to be done, and hopefully get 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 myself in a position to fight world titles one day.
3: Hamza, well, as Adam says, you're you're sorry, Ad, As Adam said, you know you're 11 and 0 now with seven KOs. I mean, your first kind of I say eight or nine opponents you were expected to win. You put in a brilliant performance against Ryan Kelly when you have being called a kid. Against mm. a man, and you and mm. you know. You, well, listen, um people should know about you that you're you're a third generation of boxers. I think your uncle and your grandfather both boxed. That's right, yeah. isn't it? And yeah, you're, yeah. you're a huge super welterweight. Are you six three or six one? Six three, six foot three. On boxing. Exactly. Six, I mean, one. I mean, six foot three. I mean, for for those listening, a six foot three super welterweight is a freak. You know, you're, you're, a fr- you're a freakish size and it's going to be a massive advantage for you to go on. I'm very, very excited about your future. Cheers.
7: Thank you, Gareth. But listen, I make the way it comes to, I just like to obviously set up my nutritionist, pro-nutrition clinic for helping me get to the weight. Obviously, the last, the last kilo, kilo and a half is a bit of a pain to get off. Mm. But we get it off and I feel at light middleweight is where I'm most, I'm strong and I rehydrate very well. So when, when I'm in the ring, I'm, I'm actually, like, a monster. Do you know
5: what I mean? I'm a monster when it comes to it. So, yeah. Hamza, <laughs> fighting behind closed doors, are you able to think even more clearly when you're in the ring? Because I've no doubt that when you've sold tickets to all your friends and family and your fans have yeah. come out to come and watch, the, yeah. the adrenaline's there and you're vibing off the crowd. But this is actually a good period for you with the stage that you're at in your career to, on a professional level, in front of the fans at home, to actually mm. put together some really good clinical, well thought out work.
7: Yeah, and no, I'll, I'll tell you what. Today I opened my eyes a bit more because I actually realised how much of a chess game, uh, chess game boxing actually is. Because when the crowd's not there, and when I knocked him down, if the crowd was there, honestly, I'd have just gone mad and tried to get him out of there. I know myself, but yeah. as, soon, as soon as I knocked him down, and I could hear Eddie and uh, Frank Reeves in the corner t- t- telling me to take my time. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Because, like you said, it was. Almost like sparring. It wasn't the same, obviously, because you're in ten out gloves and everything. But it was a lot more calculated. Everything I did was a lot more was a lot more calculated, and I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. And I saw, I just noticed how, how, yeah, like I said, how boxing is very similar to chess, and you always have to think about your next move. Because, like you said, when you got the roaring of the crowd and you got mm. everyone chanting your name, you sometimes get lost in it and you end up going a bit mad. But today, I realised, and I put on a mature performance, I think.
5: No, absolutely. There's no I doubt agree. about that. How, how has the period of lockdown been for you? I mean, is that the most amount of contact that you've had the fight tonight?
7: Yeah, honestly, it's been, like I said, it's been, like, stress. It actually has been stressful. I don't normally get stressed and that. But when you're on your own in hotel rooms and you're making weight and then you're deep in thought thinking, oh, this could happen, that could happen. It is hard, mm. but it's an experience, and I'm look, I look back at it now and I can say I've done it. I can go, actually go, my manager, Andy Aylin, was telling me, listen, like, You've actually gone down in the history books for a, for the first person to defend their belt behind um, closed doors. So that goes down in the books. <laughs> <I> mean,
3: <laughs> it does. It does indeed. It's brilliant. Um. Now going back to your weight again. Okay. Just for those listening, you you, you fight at 154 pounds, and yeah. I'm talking about. I mean, I've been I've stood next to you before, and you are enormous. Okay. Now down the line middleweight is a brilliant division, okay? There's so many great people for you to fight, you know, when you get to your mid to late 20s. Do you think you'll end up at middleweight? Yeah, 1 million
7: percent. I reckon I'll finish my career around middle light heavyweight, honestly, because I'm only 21, I'm still growing, and I don't want to, like, kill myself to stay at light middle. Once I feel like it's not an option no more and it'll be unhealthy to make it, I'll happily move up to middleweight because I have got the height, and I think I've got the strength on my side as well. So move away is always an option, and I definitely will be moving up in, in 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 the future.
3: Are granddad and uncle around and giving you sound advice um, about growing technically as a fighter, taking your time with things, how to go through procedures.
7: Yeah, my uncle is in Australia now. So before before every fight, he always FaceTimes me, and in, during camp after training. He always gives me a bit of advice, similar, similar to what Colin, Colin does, obviously, but Colin mm. McMillian's on a different level because he's a, he was a former world champion. So getting the insights of both of them has just opened up my eyes a lot more this camp, and I think I showed it in the ring tonight.
5: Um, activity now. So what's the, what's the next plan for you, uh, Hamza? Because there's a couple of cards coming up, I'm sure there's loads of people clambering It's going to get on the it. Joe
3: Joyce undercard, isn't you it? You've got to, haven't you?
5: have yeah, got to yeah. get on that, you've got to
7: get on the phone, mate <laughs> 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 It'll be providing jo- uh, J- Joyce and Dubois both win hopefully I'll be on that October card and I-, I think that's that's open to fans isn't it?
5: Yes, it's supposed to be mate, yeah, so fingers crossed, yeah
7: Yeah, It'll be great, like, providing everything's good by then It'll be wicked to get back under like, then put on another spectacular performance
5: Now the biggest story in fight sports this week was of course Fight Island from the UFC. And the biggest star in the UFC right now, bar Conor McGregor of course, is Jorge Masvidal. He had a wonderful 2019 and he's the guy that stepped in last minute to save the main event at UFC 251. I caught up with him the moment he touched down in Abu Dhabi preparing for that big fight. How have we ended up in this situation right now that when we spoke to each other in April we were talking about the prospects of this fight negotiations were ongoing I left that conversation thinking we're going to see Mazvidar we're going to see Usman we're going to see the title that's what we're going to see and then obviously that wasn't necessarily the next step so Mm -hmm. what what happened in the last couple
8: of days to put you in Abu Dhabi right now well I'll go back to the beginning um I know a lot of fighters don't like to touch subject on it, especially the kiss-ass ones, but I, I will because I got no uh, filters on my tongue. But the UFC was not coming to terms with me on a deal. The the deal that they, they put on the table was very shit, honest crap. Between me and you, they were just not not what being my team felt I was half with. So we, we passed on the deal. We said, okay, well, you know, do what you want to do, you know. and. um so they found the cheapest bidder, like always, because that's what a lot of times happens. Like, well, if you don't want to take it for this, we'll, we'll find somebody to do it for cheaper because maybe where they're from, the dollar goes a lot longer than where I'm from. You know, so go ahead, go, go do that. Find, find the cheaper person. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for what's mine, for what's right as well. So that fell off. And um, immediately I told Abraham and a couple of people close to me, mm-hmm. I said, you know, God doesn't like when people bully me. This is going to bite them in the ass. And sure enough, I'm here. That's how I'm here, you know.
5: I, I was told that it was you. Once the, obviously the information came that Gilbert had tested positive and he couldn't make the title fight, that it was actually you that put your hand up. He said, "Listen, man, I'm ready to go." Short period of time. It wasn't anybody approaching you. You made that decision. You you're the one that. Said,
8: oh no no, Let's no go. I, well Abraham called me and said, "What's up? What do you what do you think of this?" I was like, "If they're gonna if they're gonna pay for me to play, then I'm in." You know, and they gave us a, they gave a call to Abraham and started talking to my management. That was on Friday night. Saturday was 4th of July. I went over to Malky's house for a barbecue with my family. We were hanging out, eating food, talking shit. And uh, Malky was, uh, and Abraham were, were talking to UC back and forth. It took a while. It took like two, three hours. We had a a paper napkin and a pen and we were writing numbers down. And we were chopping this up and doing this and doing that. And it took some time, but we came to an agreement that I, I felt comfortable with. I said, okay, I don't, I don't feel like I'm getting taken advantage of. I'll take this deal. So you're happy with the money? I'm happy. i happy. I could be happier, but I'm happy. You know, you know, these things going forward, there's
5: always there always seems to be when someone gets a, either a new deal or a fight deal. It's never a one fight deal. Never. So, have you have you had to sign a new multi-fight deal
8: in order to stay with the UFC? something like that? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, like a 15 fight deal or something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the standard. You don't you don't get to be a free agent and see what you're worth out there, you know? And uh, I don't want to fight for another company because I'll say this just like I don't I don't like to lie. I like to speak from the chest. The UFC is the best company in the world, bar none. There's nothing the the, the number two company is a, a long way away from them. You know, so I'll say the truth. The UFC is the the best competition, the best talent, and on top of that, they have something that I that I personally like a lot, which is USADA, which might not be 100% perfect, but it's better than than a lot of these organizations that have like yeah. a wild west going on. You can tell. Guys are juicing to the gills, and and you know it's just like common in a lot of other organizations. Not in the UFC, and that's something that I care about deeply. Mm. How's preparation been, man? Have
5: you have you be, As obviously we're living in a weird time, so have you been able to prepare for this on giving such short notice?
8: Well, man, it's just it's just walking in faith at this point. I I got a lot of faith in myself. I got a lot of faith in my God. I I know what I could do. And the guy across the cage, I don't got faith in him. I don't. I don't believe who he says he is. I, I believe who I say I am. So I'm gonna go in there and prove it. The preparation in six days, all I could really do is just cut this weight, you know. Since I got the call on Saturday night when we made it official, I was about 21 pounds, something like this, to go. So it's uh, that's been the preparation. That's gonna be the only preparation is just making that weight safest and as easiest way possible. Get in the cage and do what I do naturally, you know.
5: How was that pizza on the plane? It was good. <laughs> in getting- no. Listen, you let me down because you only went one
8: slice. Normally, you, you double. Oh, I can man. I'm cutting weight, man. And I just literally, I, I took a bite. I hadn't eaten in hours. And, and, you know, all my team was eating pizza. And I was like, oh, I can take a bite probably. And, uh, you know, it was a good. Everybody likes me with, with the whole pizza thing. So I, I figured I'm in I'm in Italy. I got to take a f- bite of this pizza. You know, who knows when I might be back here. So I, I took a little bite. Of it. it was f- phenomenal. <laughs> How long were
5: you there for? Was it just purely refueling Yeah, get a pizza <laughs> and, and get back out?
8: Yeah, and they got us out of the plane, and they searched the plane, and they freaking, you know, put us through a little security procedure. And we were there for, like, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Got back from the plane, took off, landed in uh, Dubai.
5: Have you have you managed to speak to Mike yet, Mike Brown?
8: Mike Brown? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to him all the time. He's good, thank God. He's uh, asymptomatic. Good. He has, like, no symptoms. He's good. He doesn't even have a cold or a cough or anything, you know. He's great.
5: Mm-hmm. And, obviously, there's been a few guys, obviously, in that ATT gym that have been affected, so we're sending them all best wishes. Pedro as well, I think,
8: and Yeah, it's about, Yeah, it's, it sucks, man. It's uh, It sucks, bro. Because we, we've been, Dan Lambert's been doing a great job of not letting nobody into the gym, just the guys that, hey, you got to fight and you have a contract, you can get into this gym. So I'm assuming Dan's gonna just, it's it's gonna be like, it's gonna be like a communist regime over there now. He's gonna run a real tight ship to make sure that, that all of us stay healthy, you know?
5: Um. Talk to me about the week then now, because you're in quarantine now, I assume you've just landed in Abu Dhabi and mm. you already had your tests and various things like that, and now you've got to be locked away for a period of
8: time. i've I've had about maybe three or four tests already since uh, not not since I've landed here on the way here, you know, like in, in yeah. Vegas, I, I did tests in Florida, did tests in Vegas. i uh, I did a test at the airport when I got to Abu Dhabi, I did another test here. So it's been uh, it's been a testful day, and I'm in quarantine until we get the results. Originally, they told me the results are gonna take 48 hours, so I'm gonna be in my room in this room that you're seeing here. But I also have another room next door that that has a, a little bit of space so I could train in there because I told them I go that it will, if I'm taking two days off, that just forget about it. I won't be able to make the weight. So they did everything possible to make sure that I could train you know in the other room I'll make it a little hotter I got some mats in it I'll be able to roll jump rope work the way off uh, the weight off one way or another you know so it, it's it's very strange situations that I'm working under but I can't complain because man at least I can provide from for my family and myself the whole world is going through these strange crazy conditions so I'm just thankful to God that I'm even able to to take place in this movement you know to to, to be provided. How does this fight play out then, man? Talk me through it, Saturday night. I baptize his ass in front of the whole world. Public baptism, July 11th. That's what I'm inviting you, not to a fight, but to a baptism. Changes man's life. I come come in complete violence, but I'm gonna leave his ass in peace, man. You watch.
5: Now this week in Abu Dhabi sees another UFC event. They're doing four in a two week period. And event number two, three and four sees a lot of British fighters getting their chance to shine in the spotlight. One of those is Molly McCann. She fights in the early hours of Thursday morning for UK Fight Fans. She was available to chat on Saturday night in Abu Dhabi while she was in quarantine in her room. So we got stuck in to all the protocols that she's been through just to get to Fight Island. Now I'm I'm led to believe that you are uh, currently on the balcony. It's at quarter to four, Abu Dhabi local time. People will think it that's is. absolutely crackers if you're preparing for a fight at being up at this time. But the reason for yeah. that is because you will be it fighting is. in and around about this time because um, you've obviously got to cater for that, uh, that that American audience, haven't you, mate? So therefore, this is well, normal now for you.
9: I mean, yeah, it is. However, normally. We're adding like three hours ahead of time for Abu Dhabi local time. Mm. So my body is a little bit out of whack. But um, it's funny because everyone's texting me going, why are you awake? Get to sleep. I mean, I even got a message off you. And I was like, no, no, I'm just preparing correctly. Um, Not everyone's doing it, Adam. Not everyone's doing it. Everyone's keeping to their own normal sleep and just getting on with it. But I'm just trying to make sure I've got all the bases covered and I'm as prepared as prepared
5: can be. Talk to me about the protocols that you've gone through, because it's been it's been serious, hasn't it? Obviously, everything that happened yeah. in the UK, everything that's happened since you've been in Abu Dhabi. Talk to me about your last few days.
9: OK, so Monday, 5.30am, wake-up call in Liverpool. Got to the gym for 7am, drove from Liverpool to London Heathrow, stayed in it. The second we got to the uh, hotel in Heathrow, we had to have a COVID test. And then we was put into isolation on our own for 48 hours. Now, I didn't have any, like, there was no microwave. There was no n- fridge. There was nothing. So I literally lived on, um, like, cocoa noodles. They're, like, a scout staple. But it was, <laughs> like, it's literally like a pot noodle. <laughs> and then... Then we all got the all clear, but I tell you what, I was like, um, I can't swear, but an, a something dog, if you could imagine, yes. I was shaking, I yes. sitting there, and um, and then we all got the all clear, got got on a minibus and went to the airport, and I'm thinking, alright, we're going to be on the plane, it's going to be a heavy flight, no, we only go through VIP, yeah. straight straight onto the plane, and as I've gone on, they've gone to all my team, like, you can go right, and then when I got on, they went, Well, you go left. And I'm like, oh my hey. God.
5: <laughs> so
9: I had six hours sat next to Mark Goddard and Chris Fishgold. Um, but we like me and Fishy looked at each other and we just went, Right, we're not eating poo, but we are eating the meals that come on this plane because we may never get this again. But thankfully, trifecta and the UFC had sorted us out, so we had like a low sodium meal. Um, then when we arrived it was Wednesday 5am yeah. local time, so it was like three, 2am back home and when we got here it was like this is it, everyone's in suits, everyone's gloved up, got Covid tested again straight to our room but this time I got to um, isolate with my coach Ellis and then we just went straight on the balcony and just started hitting pads. And the, the sun looked like, oh, it was like 40 degrees at like at 8 a.m. Wow. And then I just soldiered through the whole of phase. They went no sleep until the night time. So I'm sleeping here 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. And then I have so, to train. Wow. So and what then, is it?
3: It's it's an extraordinary journey. I mean, the, the Chris Fishgold you mentioned there, of course, is the featherweight from Liverpool who's fighting on the same card as you. And Mark yeah. um, Mark Goddard, obviously, oh. is the UFC referee. You, you put out a brilliant... Yeah. Um, I, I, it's almost like the headline for your trip, which is business class to shock the world as you turned yeah. left on your Instagram yeah. a couple of days ago. Presumably, yeah. you're still in that period where you're not allowed out of your room much yet
9: yes so we haven't left we've been we've been locked in this room for two days so i've been in isolation for five days i've had wow. three COVID tests and um, we have another one tomorrow and then one at the weigh-in and it's four hours and seven minutes till i'm allowed out of this room
5: <laughs>
9: <laughs>
5: the clock's ticking
9: wow. yeah um it's it's one of them so i was sat in my room and i'm sat on the balcony And I'm just taking in the magnitude of what this moment is because it's very rare fighters do that. Mm. And normally the nerves kick in with me and normally I start overthinking and I'm worrying about my weight, even though that's never an issue. But we've got like 38 hours from weigh until fight night. So the PI have just basically said, look... We're going to feed you up and we want you to cut a bit of water because you've got so long to rehydrate, it just makes sense. So I'm still sitting where I normally would sit right about now, but I'm eating a lot more. And then I'm just like, frigging hell, I never get this. Is like This is mad, I'm full. I'm not starving, yeah. but I'm locked in the room. But I could not be fighting, do you know what I mean? For, for, and I'm in a, yeah. in a different
3: country. For the uninitiated listening, uh, obviously you're making £126 ready for your fight, of course. Yeah. Um, look, you're a brilliant character. We, we all love you very much because there's something very special about you as both a person and a fighter, and you've got this wonderful honesty and openness, and your spirit's there all the time. How important is this fight against Talia Santos? Because you're, 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 you're very popular... And you're very close, I think, to getting a title fight, maybe a couple of fights away. So presumably Mm -hmm. a good victory next Wednesday night here is so important for your career right now. 100%.
9: Like, my reasons for fighting changed after I lost. And... Um, i think i just became a lot more honest with everyone else and how i was feeling and i just think everyone knows how much it means to me and i won my last fight gareth and i just wasn't okay with the performance that i put out there because i know that i'm better than that and every fight for me is about putting on a clinic and and defeating my opponent's will to win and i just feel like I signed a contract for a fight in March on December 4th. It's now like the 11th of July, and I still haven't fought. But so I am so ready to punch her head in. You would not be. <laughs> and, and I just want to be that, like, I know I'm getting there, but I want to be that, like, men are really, really, really supporting me back home, and like, people talk about me maybe more than other English fighters, that make, that, like my male counterparts. Mm. So To get the recognition that I deserve of of males is massive for me. But I just know, come Wednesday, it's going to be the performance that I deserve. And, And this one's for me. It's not for no one else. This one's for me to go out there and go, look how good I am.
5: there you have it action packed podcast for you and if it's floating your boat and you fancy listening to it again sometime make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes or via the TalkSport website we'll catch you next time